Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, my brother Mick confused gadgets and we have part one of our interview with Danielle Lazenby. I said that really loud and it doesn't appear really loud in the thing and should we be worried? Anyway, moving on. I'm joined by a man who fought the storm bravely and came out unvictorious. (laughs) And I'm joined by a girl who apparently thinks I'm flamazing. It's Charlotte Dames. How you doing? Doing good, bro. It's a bit. (laughs) Did you just call me bro? (laughs) I'm doing good, bro. That's, that, that's almost as bad as the time you call me dude. <laughs> um, it's all good, dude. Uh, uh, it's all, I'm doing good, bro. Would you rather call you man? There, there is a guy at the gym, actually, uh, Mick, who every time he sees me, calls me, how you doing, brother? And I was like, do you know my name? You know when you sometimes turn around and go, all right, pal, how are you doing? And the only reason... You say it, it's because you can't remember their name. Seeing you like two times every week for the past <laughs> two years. How yeah. you doing, mate? How you doing, pal? How you doing, pal? Um, so, yeah. So, Mick, if you do listen to the podcast, which you may do, um, do you actually know my name, mate? Or what? Don't know. Um, so, this week's question of the podcast is very, very interesting because... It is, what's your favourite kitchen gadget? And you said, spoon. Spoon. Now, I'm not convinced a spoon counts as a gadget. I reckon spoon, knives and forks are utensils. Um, I think a whisk is the least complicated kitchen gadget. There's so many wires. What do you mean? Well, you know how they're made from like the wire frame and... We had one that fell apart and it was really complicated. <laughs> Sorry, are you are you saying whisks are complicated? <laughs> I give you, my friend, if you want a complicated kitchen gadget, the microwave. It uses microwaves, it's in the name. The blender. It uses blades. All right, right. Tell me, tell me uh, a, in design, a kitchen gadget less simple than the whisk. A less simple... And you can't chuck in fork because we've agreed it's that's a utensil. Three prongs. <laughs> Go on. Um, something more complicated than the whisk. Less complicated Less than the whisk. Less complicated than the whisk. The frying pan. <laughs> the frying pan. Yeah. You put it on some meat, shove it around a bit, Bob's your uncle. Is a frying pan a utensil, utensil or a gadget, though? Oh, come off it. No, I'm, I'm serious. Why, what do you mean? Why? You use one four times a week. You must know if it's a utensil or a... I don't think it's a gadget. It's not complicated enough to be a gadget, I don't think. What about those ones that have a special metal in the box make them, um, that make the heat spread? We don't have one of those. Maybe, maybe. But I, I've got a feeling that... Uh, what is the difference between a utensil and a gadget? Elephant, I know. Elephant, I know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I, 
listeners, we are conf- as confused this week on what counts as a utensil and what counts as a gadget. Yeah. Um, so the secondary question of the podcast is, what makes a utensil a utensil and what makes a gadget a gadget? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What's your, what, what's your favourite uh, gadget? Gadget? Inspector. Inspector gadget. I love that game and the show. Um, Just, I, I reckon Inspector Gadget is an absolute whiz in the kitchen. I bet he's like, yeah. go gadget whisk, <laughs> <laughs> go gadget frying pan. <laughs> I'm sorry, the ga- the frying pan is a utensil, not a gadget. <laughs> go gadget blender and he's just fingers a blender and he just blends it's a whisk stuff. and it, he's got a glove and it's just like this is the, it just yes. stands there with his finger vibrating for a little bit just... what <laughs> what's he doing with that vibrating finger <laughs> what is... I hope he's whisking something because yeah, no. that'd be no what is he doing with that <laughs> what are you doing with that finger Put it down because the whisk is attached to the ends. Oh, right. Oh, right. You didn't make that clear. (laughs) Inspector Gadget and the vibrating finger is not a show I want to watch. (laughs) 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 Inspector Gadget, go to (laughs) you. Inspector Gadget. I'm just imagining him going up to one of the villains and giving him a back massage with his vibrating. Is that what you were thinking? A back massage? Your mind's cleaner than mine. Um, Anyway, if you'd like to tell us what your favourite gadget is, apart from Inspector, and specifically for the kitchen, um, you can get in touch with us on holler kindness do, 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 on twitter do, 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 do. or facebook do, 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 do. the kindness project do, 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 do. or you send us an email do, 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 do. holler at the kindness project.co.uk <laughs> just keep your finger do, 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 do. to yourself do, 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 do. <laughs> anyway, you can get in touch with us on all the usual methods, all the usual methods, um, uh, including www.inspectorgadgetsfinger.co.uk. Um, so, www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. And on that note, before we uh, offend every single Wicked Spencer Gadget fan and every single listener, should we get over the show? Yes. Right, so I want to share a little story with you. Um, it's a story of a lady who um, lives in Havering near us, and it's the story of a lady called Daniel Lazenby. And is that your mobile? I've got a long 4.5. Right, and the story is about a lady called Danielle. And Danielle is um, an amazing lady. Uh, and the story was in the Nuremberg, uh, the Romford Recorder, which is our local paper. And it says, Raynham Cancer Survivor delivers presents to 28 children's hospices, Dratister's Christmas Health. 
Um, a random woman drove more than 2,500 miles this Christmas to deliver nearly 1,800 gifts to children's hospices across the UK. Um, uh, from December the 20th to Christmas Eve, Daniel Lazenby from Raynham, Daniel Lazenby from Raynham was sent as elf as she travelled to 28 children's hospices with Christmas presents. She told the recorder, it went be better than I ever could have imagined. The traffic was so kind so I was be able to spend time in each hospice with the staff and the kids who were absolutely amazing. 26 sacks of presents to be sent by a post but I've received sincere thanks from the hospices I couldn't visit and gratitude from the 28 I did. Danielle was inspired to visit the hospices after she battled breast cancer in 2016. She said the smiles on the children's faces were so heartwarming. Mm. Now that is an amazing act of kindness. Yeah, yeah. And I'm going to move straight on from good news to the introduction to the guest. Because the guest this week is Danielle. Hey! Shall we listen to the interview? Yeah. Danielle, thanks for coming on and chatting to me on The Kindness Project. It's really nice to uh, to invite you on. And um, I saw your uh, I saw your story in our local area's Facebook group, which typically isn't the most positive Facebook group in the world. <laughs> but your story shone out as something that we wanted to share. Um, normally, it's just moaning about parking and stuff like that. But your story was really good. And and before we uh, before we tell people about what you've done, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a, a Raynham girl, okay. through and through, grew up in Raynham. I'm a mum to two. I've got a 16-year-old daughter, Amy. I've got a 14-year-old son, Dylan, who has special needs, he's autistic. Okay. Um, I work in repatriation travel, so you take out travelling insurance if you choose to break your legs skiing, get ill... I'm responsible to get you home. Right, what's the furthest you've had to repatriate somebody? All across the world. Okay. Australia, Hawaii, everywhere. Okay. We're open everywhere. Okay. And um, uh, what did you ski? Are you a skier? I've been once. I've never... And I hurt in places that I never <laughs> knew I had muscles. <laughs> so never again? I'd like to do it again, but maybe... A little bit less capacity. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. And your sister shares your story, so tell me about the sort of your family, like, sort of... My mum's my hero. She does everything for me. She's, well, she's in her 70s, but she's younger than me at heart. Okay. Got more energy than me. Okay. My sister is an absolute fruit loop. Okay. Makes me laugh every single day. We are like two peas in a pod. She's my best What's friend. What's the age difference between you Nearly 13 years between me and my sister. Oh, interesting. She yeah. was not planned. Yes. She was not planned. My mum thought she was going through that time of life. Yeah. It turned out she was 16, 17 weeks pregnant. Blimey. <laughs> so the relationship's a good one, right? Yeah, really, are you? Really it, good does one. it feel a bit more like, is there like an old, because Charlotte, my daughter's eight years older than Sophie, my, my youngest. And there's like this bit of like, like she's she's a role model to to Sophie. Is there is that a bit when we were younger and my sister Steph was growing up, I was like a mother figure to her, I watched over her. But as we've got older the age the mental ages have levelled and then <laughs> changed. So she's the older one and I'm the younger one. 
she'll she'll agree with that one. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. I, you know what? I'm 42 now, but I still feel like. I, I, and weirdly, I was having a chat with my dad the other day. He's in his early 70s. And um, he said, in my head, I still feel like I'm 19. Like, I'm a teenager. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think there's anything yeah. wrong with that. Like, you've, I, mean, like, I know you've got, a, you've got responsibilities and you've yeah. got your own kids and stuff like that. But being young at heart, I think is... But sometimes you'll come out with things, like if I come out with things in front of my daughter, she'll put her head down. <laughs> I can't believe you're doing that, Mum. Oh, he's singing and dancing in my house. I, I think they're going to ban me from singing and dancing <laughs> at some point. Okay, so... Um, uh, talking about being young at heart, I've seen the photos, Danielle. I've seen you dressed up as an elf. That's the reason you're here. Tell us about what you did that's so amazing. Well, in Christmas 2018, I sat with my daughter. Let me give you a bit of background about Christmas in my household. I drive my kids absolutely nuts. So you love it. Yeah. I absolutely love it. My kids love it, but not as much as me. I am the Christmas person. I'm the one probably the very few people that get excited when the Christmas stuff shows up on Tesco shelves okay. in September. I'm like, here we go, Christmas <laughs> is coming. When the Christmas shop opens at Lakeside, I'm there. Like, my right. eyes dilate. And right, so, so let's talk about this, right? I love Christmas, <laughs> but it's got to have a, like, a proper start, hasn't no. it? Start December. Well, I get told off. I want my tree up all year round. <laughs> if I had my way, my tree would be up all year round, and I'm allowed to put my tree up on the 1st of December. This last year, last Christmas, it went up the last week of November. I managed to push it back a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. So Cassie does this thing where she sneaks Christmas in. So I'll turn up at the house, and there'll be a little bit of tinsel, <laughs> and then I'll turn up, and there'll be a moose on the wall singing the singing "Lonely This Christmas," and the Christmas tree won't be up yet, but there'll just be more bits added every no, day. It goes all up. All, all up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Normally, when the kids are at school. I've got the house and I can do it all properly myself because I'm very particular about my tree. Okay. Although I did go into a different story. I fostered some kittens in the middle part of last year. Had to hand rear them. Okay. They were orphans. And my tree looked beautiful when I first pulled it up. But by the end of Christmas, it looked a complete wreck. Because of the, cause of the, the cats? The, cat, the kittens did like to go up the tree. Oh, no. And rip everything off the tree and yeah. eat the tinsel. So you've spent the time doing a, like making it immaculate. and then Yeah, just... I'm quite, I do get quite abrupt. Okay. My daughter helps me. I'm like, doesn't come <laughs> <laughs> So... Uh, you love Christmas. When when does it right? So when does the Christmas tree go up in your house? First of December. Okay. Normally, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously down by the sixth because I'm not into bad luck or anything. But like if that. it was up to you, you'd have it. So all year round. All, all year all just, just just don't take up. It, it's a weird one. I helped out. You know the. Um, and the Christmas float that goes yeah. around. So I, 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 I helped out the one in um, the one that Hornchurch Round Table do. So I was out just collecting money. It's amazing what power a high vis jacket gives you. Because <laughs> you turn around, like, I wouldn't walk up to somebody's house normally and go give us some cash. No, but high vis and a Santa hat, and you don't you don't <laughs> mind doing it. Um, so we raised, I don't know, it was about five grand we raised wow. in the end um, uh, in in about seven days. Um, but um, seeing the kids come out for that 
it was amazing. Yeah, it was really, really good. And I, I was out with the Brown Table guys yesterday and said to them, um, you should just like do that all year because that would be quite good fun. It's sitting okay. on one of the, the, the sleigh sitting on one of their drives at the minute. Well, that's an idea. You can change it. The sleigh is a sleigh at Christmas. You could do an Easter one with the Easter bunny. Could they? Yeah. Could do. Halloween, Halloween one. one yeah. Halloween one. Valentine's one. A Hawaii Hulu one for, for summer. Could do. Mm. Could do. Just keep on changing the slide. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> so, um, uh, saying that me and a grass skirt just does. No, that definitely <laughs> won't um, So, tell me a little bit about your trip because you. My trip, Christmas yeah. 2018. Oh, you're sitting with your daughter. Yeah. And uh, I said, oh, Christmas is great. It's so magical. I said, wouldn't it be great to be Santa? And off the cuff, oh, why don't you be Santa? You silly girl, how can you deliver <laughs> presents to all the children worldwide? It's impossible. And she well, it hasn't got to be worldwide. She'd narrow it down. So my brain starts ticking and ticking. And I'm thinking, right, hospitals. You see a lot of adverts go out where they need donations, yes. Christmas present donations. You never hear about hospices. So then the phone came out and I googled UK children's hospices and it came up to 54. 54, that's doable. Yeah. And it just took off from there. I didn't care where in the UK they were. I thought, there's 54, I can get 54 hospice presents worth. Not a problem. Yeah. And it all, it all went. And did you buy the presents yourself or did you fundraise? Or? Both, a bit of both. Um, a friend of mine has an annual party okay. that involves city airport staff. And he had an Easter one. And I mentioned to him what I planned on doing. And he, he donated, I mean, it's like nearly £800 he donated okay. to me for that. Then I set up a GoFundMe page, but for some reason GoFundMe shut it down. Oh, no. So I replaced that with a Facebook fundraising page. And that raised quite a bit, nearly okay. £700, I believe. Okay. Yeah, but a lot, I paid a lot out of my pocket as well. Okay. When I knew I was going to do it, my mum was in Tesco's in the January after that Christmas buying all the wrapping paper that had been reduced. <laughs> we're stocking up on wrapping paper. And yeah. We're and what did you get presents-wise? Because like you, you're, you're buying it for people you don't know, right? Yeah, I got a mixture. I got a lot of colouring books with crosswords in there yeah. for the older children. A lot of teddy bears. What else did I get? Some light-up things. Novelty toys, 200 little teddy elves that my mum wrapped up and she was not appreciated. <laughs> she wasn't impressed. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's quite a mixture. Colouring pencils. See, I bought all the presents and then there was quite a few people who I work with who donated presents as well. Okay. Socks, novelty socks and things. Mm. All in all, there was, there was a nearly close to 1,800 presents. Blimey. Yeah. So, so you've got these presents. You're stocking up over a period of time in my little bungalow. In, yeah. in, in all kept in your bungalow. Okay, <laughs> you're looking at that, going, "What am I doing again?" Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. And how do you how do you start to plan a trip like that? Well, the the most difficult part of it was the wrapping. I was taking boxes and boxes of presents into work, and my little elves who I work with were sitting there in a quiet period wrapping these and you could see that they glanced at me across the table thinking yeah. <laughs> what have you let me in for yeah oh we um we hand wrote all the tags as well so nearly 1800 uh, tags so you written. know the names did you? you know the names the hospices are new we didn't know anything about the children okay there's a, a charity called Together for Short Lives who okay. put me in touch with the hospices. But what I did on each of the gift tags was I've done a little sticker thing, a little circle, and I wrote on there 
more age appropriate the gift yeah. was for, so then they knew who to distribute to. Yeah. Okay, amazing. And w where did you start? Where did you? I've done my local ones, the Essex ones. Yeah. I've, I've done Luton, done Oxford. I've done all of those for the first two weeks of December. Okay. And for the longer journeys, I set off on the 20th of December. On your own? On my own. Me and Sheila Mossatnev. Okay. Yep, yep. Sheila the Satnev. Down south, we've done East Sussex, okay. all along down the bottom coast there, Barnstable, went up to Wales, Manchester, Liverpool. This is one trip, right? All one trip, because it's between the 20th to the 24th. Okay, four days. Right. Five, five, five days. And, and how many hospices did you visit in that time? 26. That's amazing. 26 yeah. hospices. There was 54 together, but this is where my planning didn't come into force. There's doing it on top of Christmas, obviously a lot of the hospices are trying to work to get their children home for Christmas. Gotcha. So they wasn't able to accept my visits. So what turned out to be a few that I was sending, like the Isle of Man, Northern yeah. Ireland ones I physically couldn't get to, turned into 26 I had But you've told me already you're planning to do it again. Is, yeah. it, is the intention to <laughs> The intention's there, and I apologised to my mum because my mum's saying, you can't do that again. I was like, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but he just got my home back. <laughs> yeah. And then you're going to fill it with presents yeah, again. Okay. But then, but then it might be a bit easier next time, right? Because you've got a well, bit I'm more time to plan. I'm hoping to get plan. a bit more publicity this time. Yeah, yeah. I did try and get a lot of the papers behind me last time, and they wasn't interested until after I'd done the event, right. which obviously doesn't help with the fundraising. Yeah. But yeah, a bit more planning. I know not to do it on top of Christmas, so hopefully, if I can do it in the first week of December, yeah. I'll get to visit a lot more of the hospices. They're all, okay. They've all been welcoming. The ones that I couldn't visit have all said, if you do this again, we'd like to meet you if you're around in the year, Amazing. come and visit us. So. Yeah, because Richard House is a local kids yeah. one, isn't it? They, yeah. they, I mean, I've done stuff with I've, them before. I did manage, there was one that I did visit yeah. in December. Yeah. yeah, they do amazing work. They, they do, do amazing work. Do. So you're travelling around the country. Tell me a couple of stories about your experiences when you're doing that. Do you want to start, should we start with the sad one? Yeah. I mean, obviously, it's, it is sad. These hospices are for children with life-limiting illnesses or complex illnesses. So uh, there are some sad stories, but one of the hospices I walked into, they had a big welcoming hall with a big Christmas tree and a cafe, and this little girl in a wheelchair couldn't have been no older than four years old. Asked if I really worked for Santa. I do work for Santa. <laughs> My mummy and daddy are arranging for me to have a Christmas, a special Christmas this weekend, because I'm going to be an angel before the real Christmas. Oh, God. You swallow hard on the lump in your throat, yeah. trying to keep it together. I was like, wow. I said, well, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a deal. I'll make you a promise. I said, when I get back to the workshop, I'll see Santa. I'll make sure that he arranges for you to have the best wings. What do you want? I said, we're talking lights, we're talking glitter. Yeah, yeah, she was so excited and her mum mouthed me in the background. Thank you. It's all it takes, isn't it? A bit yeah. of kindness. Well, since found out contacting the hospice, because this, this little princess, she was my princess, mm. played on my mind and I contacted the hospice and they did, they did divulge that she passed away on the 23rd of December. That was a sad. Yeah. That's very eye-opening. But I think, I think that... Just simple act of kindness, just giving somebody a tiny bit of hope yeah. um, is amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's tough. Uh, th the thing is, it's, it's interesting because I think you go through these experiences and you learn a lot about, number one, how lucky you are. I mean, like, like you've got kids and you think, like, six, I mean, my two are 16 and eight, and you go, I've never experienced anything as sad as that. No, no. I've been surrounded by that. I've, I've lost a, a cousin, a little cousin of mine had a very aggressive form of brain tumour a few years ago. She died, she was two and a half, I believe. And I've lost another cousin at 13 years old and mm. one of my good friends, she set up her charity in memory of her son, Mitchell's Miracles. He passed away at age seven, neuroblastoma. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's around, it, mm. it's all around you. Yeah. It's, it's so sad. Yeah. But then what it takes is people like you to just go and give a bit of hope to and people. And hospice staff, they're absolutely yeah, amazing. Yeah, incredible. Absolutely amazing. They've been so welcoming to me and seeing them with the children, they yeah. are amazing people. So I'm, 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 I'm training for the marathon at the minute, so mm -hmm. I'm doing the marathon for St Francis. Oh, um, yeah, it was, it was funny though, because it was out on Monday and I uh, got about seven miles into my run and it started pouring in rain and like the wind was... <laughs> And the Uber button on my phone has never <laughs> like looked more attractive. And I always, I always got an Uber back, right? So running along, got 10 miles in, and um, again, pouring a rain, wind, nearly didn't, got 11 miles in. The bus came along, and I almost jumped on the bus. But then you, like, you go, look, I'm lucky enough to be able to be fit and healthy enough to raise some money for people who need it. Um, and that's why I think you've got to do stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, how often do you think about that? A lot. Yeah? A lot. I do think about it a lot. Mm. And tell me, tell, me, tell me about one of the happy stories. Oh, one of them, there was quite a few. The happiest story was when I actually got my elf costume cleaned. You know, you're wearing it for so many days, you're thinking, I've got to start smelling a little bit, and there's only so much deodorant you can mask it with. Yeah. But one of the when you're walking into an hospital and they go, look, can you come in? <laughs> can you come in the other entrance? Open the windows. Open the windows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, there's um, I stayed in a castle. One of my hotels that I stayed in was a castle. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. But the staff, she um, she took it to be cleaned better. So I was quite relieved with that. Yeah. Obviously, on my travels, I needed to go in, in very many service stations and petrol garages as an elf. Dressed as an elf. As an elf. So you see, we're walking through the service stations to see a lot of the children, and you can pick out the ones that have been naughty because you see the fear <laughs> yeah. in their eyes. Like, oh, God, sent an elf for me. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I didn't realise. I was only getting some petrol. I was like, yeah. That's amazing. No, walking through the service stations, eating whatever I'm eating, and yeah. these kids coming up and like, <laughs> love that, absolutely love that. I did have an occasion with my elf, a little mishap with my elf costume. Like you're saying about the rain and the wind, it was quite rainy and windy when I chose to set off for this, um, this journey. And uh, as I got out of the car, my elf hat blew off. So I'm chasing it down the car park. And when I actually got into the hospice, they said, <laughs> I had to ask my colleague, I swear I just saw an elf running across the car park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did I dream that, or was that was that an actual thing that just happened? Yeah, you managed to catch the hat, though. You did. managed to. Did. did you catch the hat before it landed, or I did. did you? Oh, I amazing! Did. Amazing. Yeah, it was a little bit dirty, but yeah. yeah. And what was the, what was the apart from going into um, 
petrol station dressed as an elf. What was the biggest challenge about the trip? I got sent driving. Yeah. I was because you're on the road all the I time, love right? Driving. I had my, my music plugged in. Yeah. Obviously, my my playlist is going, and I'm loving it. But we had really bad weather the bit that, that time. Yeah, I remember. Bit, yeah, yeah. And the amount of flooded roads. Right. And they're not closed off, and you hit them, and you think, right, you're hoping that your car turns into some sort of speedboat <laughs> and goes through it without any problems. Yeah. That, that was the hardest bit. The first few days with the rain and the flooded roads, that was the worst. Yeah, yeah. So that was Danielle. The first part of Danielle's story. First part. Second part next week. What did we think? She was good. She was good, yeah. Should we get on with the end of the show? Go on, then. Tis the end of another podcast. Um, it is the end of another podcast. And last week's question of the podcast next week was... What's your favourite Bulldog card game? And what's yours? Did we Game mention Life. yours? Game Life and Uno. 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 Inspector Uno. And you weren't alone. Because Sharon Adkins said Uno. Loretta Jane Rutherford said Uno. Um, ben Fox said his favourite ball game. And a good one. Mousetrap. No. Um, Sean Acton said Risk. He spent, me- I like Risk, many a Sunday evening playing Risk. Tamsin Kane said Monopoly. Uh, Andrew Berwick said Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> Not one for the kids there, but uh, uh, a, good, a good card game all the same. Uh, Al McCann said, that's a very risky, risky question. question. I'll have to give it some thought. Richard Jones <laughs> just went pie face, just pie face. Um, and Roberta White said Scrabble as long as it has brow um, and uh, donuts what's donuts I've never heard of donuts I don't know Um, uh, so they were the ones that got mentioned on Facebook and we had a few from Twitter just just while I'm looking at Twitter what's the worst ball game you've ever played don't know don't know I'm not See, when I get into a board game, uh, I get into a board game, but if I don't get into it, I just forget it. So, on Twitter, Eve Keith had a nomination for Monopoly. So did Tony Slimmins. Uh, and Alan Chaplin said, for a board game, chess. For a card game, bridge. Old school. Um, and Robert Cochran said, I like playing Whist. It was a card game. Uh, and that's sevens. And that, my friends, is the end of another podcast. See you next week. Bye.